Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here back with you on a Sunday. Uh, Going to talk to you about the looming decision for Zach Eady. Uh, we did get some news on that front in this last week. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to look ahead to the second round of the football transfer portal, which is currently wide open, uh, one week to go, and uh, look at kind of what Purdue needs and what we might expect uh, to see walking out the door for Purdue. Um, so no question this week, Ryan. We're going to get right down to it. Um, okay. Zach Eady uh, made an announcement this past week that he was entering the NBA uh, draft process and he will be retaining his college eligibility. So before I get your thoughts on it, I want to give everybody a timeline of what this means um, because I think that's really what people are going to care about. So the NBA Draft Combine is in about a month. It's May 15th to 21st. Um, he will, of course, I would imagine he'll be invited to that to go through it. Um, think so. The draft lottery itself is the 16th. And then the NCAA early entrant withdrawal date uh, in order to maintain your college eligibility is May 31st, 2020, or that says 2021 in my story. That is a typo. Um, at 11.59 p.m. So, um, you know, okay. he's got till the end of the day uh, to come back. But so there we have it. It's all laid out with the timeline. He has entered into the to the draft to see if he can, you know, head off to the NBA, make his dreams come true. Um, Ryan, obviously, you know, this is the decision we mostly expected. Do you think it's the right decision for Zach Eady at this point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it leaves all of his options available. If the uh, draft gets back to him and the combine says, okay, you're ready to go to the NBA now and make crazy money, and get drafted in the first round, by all means, he can go. But if they say, okay, this is what we want you to work on, you would be a second round, a late second round pick, he then has the option to come back to Purdue and work on those aspects of his game and see if he can raise his draft stock. So all options are available to Zach, and... I don't think anyone really expected him to do anything different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is a no-brainer decision. Um, it's absolutely, I'm sure, what Matt Painter suggested he do. Um, Painter's mm-hmm. had players do this in the past. Even players who you knew really weren't going to leave and weren't going to get drafted um, because it allows them, like you said, to go and get the feedback from NBA scouts, from NBA personnel who can literally watch, will know their game and, of course, know what it takes to make it in the NBA and say, hey, look, you know, we love you, that you do this, we love that you do that, but what we really need if you want to make it in the NBA is for you to develop X, to develop Y, you know, uh, be better in your on your offhand, get another move, you know, mm-hmm. shoot uh, more jumpers, whatever it may be. Um, those are the guys that can tell you. And so you get that information and then you come back with basically a whole year to implement it in order to improve your draft stock. And I can't imagine... Mm-hmm. Um, that Painter or anybody in the Purdue family is upset with this decision by Zach Eady. I'm sure, like I said, it's what they pushed for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and this has happened, as you said, several times in under the Matt Painter umbrella. Um, I believe Carson Edwards did it. Um, I believe Trevion Williams did it. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon, and it really puts all of the power in the players' hands as it should. Yeah. So yeah, and with that in mind, um, I wanted to at least mention the article in the Athletic, which I feel like I do every once a week now on this podcast. <laughs> um, this one was by our old friend Bob Kravitz, who mm. not a I'm not a fan uh, of his personally. One of those guys who's a really good writer, but also just a pompous ass, um, and really got high on his own supply there toward the end of his career with the Indy Star. But that's that's a story for another time. Uh, but he did a did a story on Zach Eady and going to the NBA, and his quote was that Zach Eady made just south of a million dollars in NIL this year, um, and you know we've seen. You know, people post on message boards or people respond to us on Twitter and say they throw out a number for what Edie made. Um, you know, he made this, he made that. And it's easy to just throw out a number and pure, pure speculation and have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and while I don't particularly care for Bob Kravitz as a journalist, I don't think he's the kind of journalist who would just throw that <laughs> out there with no backing um, for right. it, so it's a number that I tend to put a little weight behind. Um, so just south of a million dollars, it's tough to say exactly what that means. Does that mean eight hundred thousand, eight hundred fifty thousand, nine hundred thousand, nine hundred ninety nine thousand? I don't know. Um, but to right. me, it means upward of eight to nine hundred thousand dollars. I mean, does that sound what you would interpret that as? Yeah, I would interpret it that. Uh, like above three quarters of a yeah. million. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if it was, if you were gonna, if it was three quarters of a million, you would say three quarters of a million. You wouldn't say just a little south of a million, right? Yeah, and as, especially you know, Kravitz is a guy who makes his money with his words, so you think he would choose them very carefully. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, does that number surprise you? Not that you know you don't think Zach is worth it, but that Purdue was able to put together you know, a package like that for one year. That really does surprise me simply because I thought uh, with Zach Eady being from Canada, the rules were much more stringent. Um, I didn't know he could actually do that well in um, the NIL, especially when you compare, um, I believe in that article, he also kind of showed a rundown of other players and Zach made, um, Zach made more money than pretty much everyone um, in college basketball last season from NIL. I didn't know that was possible with him being um, from Canada. So yeah, yeah. that's really, that's awesome. That is fantastic for him, you know, and the Purdue brand. You know, it shows that Purdue can get you paid. Mm-hmm. We know that's been a struggle, um, at least from the fans' perspective, of seeing Purdue as this large brand, but you know, clearly it works. So that is awesome on all sides. Yeah. And I, I think to your point, it goes kind of to what happened last off season for the basketball team, trying to get Nigel pack. And we're like, we thought we had him. We thought he wanted to come to Purdue. And then suddenly this life wallet guy from Miami offers him 800,000 over two years plus a car. And you're like, well, Purdue will never be able to do that. Purdue will never be able to match that. And that's why we're going to lose these big name players year in, year out. You know, we talked about it on Mm -hmm. last week's podcast about NIL and transfers and why Purdue doesn't get the big names. But 
I mean, if these numbers are true, and again, I have no reason to to doubt that they are are not, it would seem to open up a whole other avenue of what is possible in NIL at Purdue. Um, you know, eight hundred thousand or more in one season. Granted, Zach Eady is a phenomenal player, national player of the year. Not everybody is going to be that player, um, and. You know, it's not like he was guaranteed that coming in. When, I mean, when he came into Purdue, NIL wasn't a thing. So from a recruiting perspective, it's a little different in that in, in that way. But you can certainly look at it and say, hey, if you come to Purdue and you show that you're worth it, we can get you paid. And I guess the question becomes, do you then, if you're Purdue and you're recruiting, do you say, hey, we can get you paid if you put in the work? And is that going to be enough versus other schools are saying, come here and you'll get paid? You know, you might not even have to prove anything. We're just guaranteeing you a certain amount of money in the door. Whereas I feel like Zach earned his with his play on the court. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, at that point, um, that's kind of where you differentiate with those painter type players is the players who come and prove that they're worth it and earn that kind of money that's where um that's where matt has traditionally gone to but it's nice to kind of have that backing where you know you it's easy enough to say hey if you put in the work this can happen but it's so much nicer when you just say hey look at this guy and, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, you can see that dude went and got paid. Right. And, you know, it, it really helps when uh, he wasn't the hottest recruit either. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm, like, a top 50 recruit, Matt Painter's probably salivating. Like, all right, if I can do this with Zach Eady, imagine what I can do with anybody else. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's a good point, we too. We all know those rankings don't really matter. But yeah. I digress. Yeah it's it's like after the top 50 it's kind of a crapshoot in my opinion and even top mm-hmm. 50 is probably pushing it um but it it reminds me of something that coach uh Walters brought up in a recent interview uh I believe on an indie uh talk radio show you know they asked them you know what is what is the one thing you know the fans can do to kind of help you out as you as you move forward in your first season here at Purdue and he went on to say, you know, I love the facilities here at Purdue. We're doing some some great stuff at Ross Aid, doing the the renovations over the summer. It'll be ready for next season. Um, great locker room, great this, great that. He said, but you know, you got to just give money to the Boilermaker Alliance, the NIL collective, um, mm-hmm. because like it or not, that's how it's done now. And so you don't need to give money for facilities or anything like this. Go out and write a check to the Boilermaker Alliance, and that will help me more than anything, and then the rest will take care of itself. And you wonder how much of a role coaches are going to play in kind of fundraising for NIL in the future and mm-hmm. how big of a role that's going to be just in their day-to-day lives. Right. Yeah, so it's funny. I actually have a nice little fun stat um, Okay, I Twitter. love stats. Yeah, so are you familiar with the NIL store? Like the Purdue one or just in general? Yeah, in general. So yes, yes, it's yeah. really an alliance with all the different schools. Um, 
So they have schools, Purdue, Indiana, Duke is in there, Florida State, UConn, LSU. But they did a, um, they tracked the commission earned during March Madness. They did a top ten for men's and women's. Players number or one schools? for the men's. Players. Okay. Yep. So number one for the men's, Zach Eady. Number wow. six, Mason Gillis. Really? Number nine, Braden Smith. That is wild. Mm-hmm. And um, just some other names that are in there. Trace Jackson Davis was number two. Lamont Butler from San Diego State, number three. Jalen hood Shafino, Trey Galloway. Boo Booey was number ten. Wow, a lot Jaylen of Big Pickett, Ten in this number list. Eight. Yeah, it's a lot of Big Ten. So clearly, like, clearly it makes a difference, and... Obviously, being on a nationally ranked team is going to be important. But also, for the women's, one of the Purdue women's was on the top ten. That was Jayla Smith. And she had to go up against Angel Reese. Caitlin Clark, I assume. Uh, I was not in it. Oh, okay. Um, So, not Caitlin Clark. But, trust me, Caitlin Clark probably would have been number one up there for Angel Reese. Yeah, I would assume. But, um... All the Yukons, all the Indiana players, and all yeah. the LSU players are on there, including Virginia Tech. So four of your top teams in women's college basketball. So Jayla Smith up there, too. So not only is it for the men's NIL deals getting done, but the women's teams are starting to bring that star power, too. Good. I mean, that's that's really encouraging. I had not seen that. Mm-hmm. Um I am I'm impressed that Purdue has three of the ten there, especially with Mason Gillis and Braden Smith being on there. Um, that's Absolutely. great news for them. Um, hopefully, it got them a little bit of money. I mean, I don't know what that translates to as far as money in their pocket. Um, but you you know, being in the top ten is better than not being in the top ten. So uh, exactly. hopefully, hopefully that helps them out. Um, so we we've kind of gotten far afield from our topic of of Zach Eady, but I think mm-hmm. it was a good conversation. Um, right. So, what do you think is the way that he goes forward with this? Um, obviously, like I said, he's got you know till the end um, the end of May to make a decision. Knowing that Purdue is apparently working on a visa for him to be a work visa, uh, so that he can oh. get even more NIL money. Because to your point earlier, mm-hmm. um, it is a little more difficult um, being a foreign student to get NIL, but apparently there's ways you can partner partner with places in Canada and go through mm-hmm. all that um, to get the money. Um, I, I'm not sure of the details on that, but Purdue has, has clearly found a way to get it done. Um, with this work visa, they, they allege that he'd be able to get more money and it would be easier. Um, and we've seen reports awesome. that he's looking to make one and a half to two million dollars uh, if he stays. I don't know if that's what he's looking for or if that's what people are predicting he can make. So I want to be clear that this is not a mm-hmm. this is not a demand that Zach Eady is, you know, throwing out on the table, but right. do you think uh well let me ask you two questions. Do you think okay. that amount is reasonable um that Purdue and all of his deals would be able to get to that amount? As, yes, I think that is definitely reasonable especially if he made as we said just short of a million this season. Um, if he can make more and make it easier, it's obviously that helps a lot with his commission and being the reigning unanimous national player of the year. 
like expectations are going to be high, but he's going to get all of the press yep. again. So I don't see that number. I can see that number ballooning. So I definitely think that is reasonable for him to achieve. And, you know, sky's the limit for Zach Eady. He can, you know, he's got something to prove this year. That's going to be even more headlines. And I think that he knows that. Um, so that's my hope that he can come back and really prove everybody, not prove everybody wrong, but prove that he can do what he sets set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that leads right into my le- next question. And I'm sure you know what this is by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what is your <laughs> prediction or what do you think Edie is going to do? Um, you know, this time in just over five weeks, uh, do you think Zach Eady will remain a Purdue Boilermaker or do you think he will be off to play professional basketball somewhere? I think he will return to Purdue. And again, as I said, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder just the way this season ended that he wants to get that sour taste out of his mouth. And mind you, it's not like he had a bad game in that game. It's just, you know, that's that's the mentality of these players. You do not want to end your season in a loss. And I think he wants to come back and try and do what Virginia did. Um, so he has that. I think it's a really tight knit group where he can come back, feel right at home. Um, I'm sure someone's going to pay for his mom's Airbnb this season. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and again, it's not like he's not making money. If you're making a million dollars, like that's amazing. Plus, you know, you don't have to really pay for anything. He's on a scholarship. So that's just straight money into your bank. Yeah. Like, um, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Uh, to have one more year of college with your friends, everybody in the nation is cheering you on or despises you depending yes. on what school I was about to for. I was about to say I don't think the IU <laughs> fans uh, are going to be cheering him on but yeah I mean yeah. To, to be able to have one more year at, in college uh, with a crew on your on your team who you love and they've he's talked openly about how much he loves the guys on the team um, and how mm-hmm. they've worked so well together and it's just a business decision for him at this point and yeah and coach painter awesome relationship yes yes absolutely right good point good point um so to be able to come back for one more year with those guys try to get that awful taste out of your mouth and also i mean be as i said in my article be the big man on campus you know in more ways than (laughs) one uh would just be an incredible feeling um to have everyone know you to have Basically, I mean, he could run the campus if he wanted to, you know, like depending on how, how much he wants to flaunt it, he could really, I mean, get just about anything he wanted on Purdue's campus and like what a life that would be for a year. Um, but you have to ask yourself, do you want to go through the grind of a college season one more time? Um, you know, we we all like to think of the glamour and the fun and the awards and, and hanging with your buddies, but it's also brutal. Um, you know, he's going to get hacked all the time he's going to go through practice and get beat um game and day in and day out uh might try to get tackled by mason gillis a time or two and that's not something that i would want to do um but uh, i'm with you i think 
maybe I'm being, you know, uh, black and gold glasses, but it does feel like right now that he's going to come back. Um, but there's still a lot say, of time then till then. Yeah, I will say if he's getting uh, beaten and bruised by Mason Gillis, that's a long way from if he goes to the NBA and is getting beaten and bruised by guys like Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Um, take what you can get. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. There's our thoughts on uh, NIL and Zach Eady. We're going to take a break, come back, and look at the football transfer portal. And we are back. So, as I said, the football transfer portal is wide open right now. Opened on the 15th, closes on the 30th, so only seven days left. I thought it was a bit of a weird window, um, mm-hmm. just because Purdue did not end spring practice until yesterday. Uh, the 22nd was when they had the the, I will call it a spring game, even though it wasn't really a game and was closed to the public and all that. So um, you can only really read reports of what happened. But uh, Purdue obviously going to be very active in the portal because of uh, head coach Ryan Walters kind of trying to remake the defense, especially into his own image as a defensive coach. Apparently going to be a lot of action on that side of the ball. Purdue's already uh, landed at least one player, um, Marquis Wilson, a cornerback from mm-hmm. Penn State, and that is a position where Purdue desperately needed some help. And so to have yes. him come in uh, is going to be a huge coup uh, for Kevin Kane and that Purdue defense. So what other position, now that we did add a cornerback, uh, do you think Purdue needs to focus on in the transfer portal over these next uh, seven days? Yeah, I think your two major uh, position groups are going to be your defensive backs, so continue with the cornerbacks and safeties, and then your wide receivers. Really, those seems to be two position groups that are thinner. Um, there's a lot of question marks with the wide receivers, just with players' health. Yeah, I was like, health is the biggest back. thing there. Yeah, and we really don't know what type of – personnel we have at wide receiver quite yet um so if you get more um more players in there you have a better chance of knowing okay this is what we're going to do with our position group and this is how we can stack it but it's tough um coach walters definitely has a challenge in front of him and it's encouraging to see he's already picking up some you know good players um, Wilson from Penn State is very encouraging because anytime you get a player from really the big three in the Big Ten, you know they're going to be good at football. And, yeah. Um, I I really trust Coach Walters with the defense in every way, especially with what he was doing at Illinois. So it's exciting, but. It's a challenge, and this is the world we live in with the transfer portal. But I think it's important that we have a coach who's willing to tweet first and foremost, yeah. <laughs> and willing to be, you know, talking to his players. You know exactly what's going through his head, and you know what he's going to do, and he goes and delivers. I, that's perfect from a fan perspective, and I think the players appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So to go along with the two groups you listed, which I think are great, uh, great points mm-hmm. because the, the defensive backfield 
is pretty thin on experience, so we need to do what we can to add some guys back there. Wide receiver room, also a little thin on experience, but there's a lot of talent. Um, it's just a question mm-hmm. of if that talent can be healthy um, and get out onto the field because, you know, Jeff Brom was good at at a lot of things. Um, one of them was recruiting wide receivers. It's just a matter of they so often seem to be hurt. Um, so if we can get those guys healthy, I think that room would be solid, um, but it would, could, could definitely use uh, a healthy body or two to come in. One I would add is the offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. Purdue has a couple guys coming off of injuries uh, that they suffered last year, and you always, you know, you hope they can come back healthy. You hope they can they can play like they did last year, but you can't count on that. Um, so to be able to have some some solid backups, some solid reserves on the offensive line would be great. Um, you know, I think it, it's Gus Hardwick or <laughs> Gus Hardwig uh, was hurt uh, last year, mm-hmm. of course. And then, gosh, there was one other um, who got hurt during the season, but um, I, I can't remember who it was. Um, but the line just in general is banged up, so I would love to see uh, Purdue add at least one more big body on that offensive line, and I know they've got a few offers out there already. Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. at just the the injuries at some of the positions that they suffered either during the spring or just kind of held out just as a precaution because they had, you know, off season surgery or things like that happens all the time. So here's just a small sampling of uh, the guys who were out for either all or a part of uh, spring practice. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. It's going to be a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. Brock Thompson, Gus Mm -hmm. Hartwig, Garrett Miller, uh, Kydron Jenkins, Isaiah Nichols, and then um, also Cam Allen, Cole Brevard, Abdul, Ra- Abdul Rahman Yassin, uh, T. Denson. So all those guys either missed part of or all of spring practice. And Lovely. those are guys who are going to be contributors uh, come next season. So you always see yep. it every, every spring. So it's, it's hard. You don't want to take too much into it. But it, it always hurts to just see that list of guys that are banged mm-hmm. up. Yep, and just it's it's always takes some give and take. You never really know like what a player's going through when they're held out of practice. I mean, Brock Thompson last season, we could have swore he was going to be our number one receiver yeah. throughout the season, and just couldn't get off the injury bug. So sometimes. It happens where this means nothing, and these players are healthy at the beginning of the season and stay healthy. Sometimes they continue to be injured, and sometimes somebody we don't expect who's not on this list will be have that injury bug this season. Yeah. So it's it's all a uh, crapshoot usually, mm-hmm. but um, obviously you're. There's cause for concern if they have injuries, but again, we don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. And there's, know. I mean, and there's so much time between now and the first game. It's hard to take yeah. too many of the injuries seriously. Um, Brock Thompson does worry me. Um, he two years ago was kind of a standout wide receiver that no one really expected. Quickly became mm-hmm. one of my favorite players on the roster just with his ability to block downfield 
open up uh, lanes for his teammates. Uh, and then he started catching the ball, and you could really see the talent. Of course, he went off in the bowl game against Tennessee and had bad knees in that game and then had mm-hmm. offseason surgery, and we were told you know, he'd be back. And then he was going to miss the first week, and then he played a little bit, and then you're like, okay, he's not coming back, and missed basically the entire year last year. Um, so I'm really hoping the extra time has allowed him to come back and be healthy because having him on the Purdue uh, receiving core would be a great addition. So all of that being said, um, <laughs> we expect that Purdue will be losing uh, you know, a handful or more uh, of players from their current roster simply because they have to because of the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Walters has given interviews that said he hopes to add anywhere from, you know, like 9 to 12 guys uh, <laughs> during this, this period of, of the transfer portal. Now, whether he gets that many, we, we don't know at this point. But if you're going to right. add 9 to 12 guys at this point, you're going to have to lose 9 to 12 guys, um, mm-hmm. you know, give or take a couple because uh, Purdue's scholarship numbers are pretty full. There are some rules um, – NCAA rules regarding coaching transfer, coaching changes that Walters can can take advantage of that allows players to no longer be on the football team but remain on scholarship but not count against the scholarship limit. Um, okay. There, there's a rule that he can take care of that he can use there for I think the next three years or th- something to that effect. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a new-ish rule. Um, you don't hear much about it, but it is something he can do. Um, technically I think it's supposed to be used for like injuries and, um, things like that, but you know how NCAA rules work. You can, you know, finagle them and get around them, uh, if you put in the work. So, uh, Purdue is going to lose some guys in the next, you know, seven days with Purdue spring practicing practice ending yesterday. You would think now is going to be the time. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're probably going to see a lot of names Mm -hmm. go in the portal. And it is hard to see as a fan because you really, especially as a college fan, because you're like, these are my guys. They came to Purdue. They committed to Purdue. I want them to succeed. Um, But it's just a numbers game for a lot of these guys. You know, not everybody can succeed. Not everybody can play. Not everybody can start. Um, You know, there's 11 Mm -hmm. on one side, 11 on another, and then you got your specialists. And these guys coming out of high school they want to play they want to participate uh they want to make a difference and if you're getting buried on the depth chart you know third or fourth at your position um i understand going out trying to find somewhere else whether you go down a level or whether you just find a different coach who maybe has a different belief in you i mean look at what happened with charlie jones going from Mm -hmm. iowa to purdue last year um he obviously had the talent but iowa just wasn't using it and you know i want all these guys who are leaving purdue i hope all of them succeed uh, and find great homes, but it's just—it's a really strange situation that has just uh, exploded with the transfer portal these last couple years. Yeah, and that's the problem with when you bring in a new head coach. Obviously, the head coach is going to try to do make the program as you know as powerful as possible, as good as possible. So. In doing so, you're inevitably going to be bringing in players that are better than your current players. You know, if it's kind of sucks, you know, if you weren't in the initial wave that followed the old coach to their new school, which it always happens, we saw it, but 
if you're kind of an, an in-betweener, this might be your chance to say, okay, where is this new head coach coming from? How are they going to run things? What sort of role am I going to have on this team? And if Ryan Walters is bringing in 9 to 12, essentially starters or second stringers, because, you know, when you go to the transfer portal, oftentimes you're looking for the higher level players. Mm -hmm. If you were someone who was like, okay, this is my year, you know, somebody above me left or graduated or whatever, and now all of a sudden a player's being brought in to start over you, that's really tough. And it's unfortunately that's the nature of the transfer portal in college football. And to your point, you can then have the option to go to a, a different program that fits better for you. Maybe you get more playing time uh, simply because it's a smaller program or whatever. You can go to a power f- or a, a group of five school or something else. So in a way, it's good for the players to have those options, but it sucks that the players need to explore those options. Um, so it's it's a balance every yeah. year. And yeah. it's a new balance. So I do not envy... Um, these players and I don't envy the coaches who have to try and work their way through all of these changes that is consistent it seems every couple weeks you either have a new transfer portal an injury or something happened with your personnel it's almost never consistent yeah yeah being a being a football coach uh, in college, trying to get a roster that works for you, there are just about a hundred things you have to be thinking about at all times. Um, mm-hmm. So, final thing here, I wanted to read you a quote um, Walters gave after spring practice. This is from our friends okay. at Boiler Upload. Um, was asked mm-hmm. about his roster and what it would look like um, when camp rolls around in August. I'm just going to read you the mm-hmm. direct quote. Uh, Potentially, it could look a lot different if what I think happens happens. Obviously, you never know with recruiting these days and NIL and what some schools may or may not be able to offer and provide. We'll see in June who's here and who's not, end quote. Now, I don't Ooh. think he meant that to sound ominous, but it really sounds <laughs> ominous for like the kid, kids in the locker room, the guys in the locker room. We'll see who's here in June and who's not. Yeah. You're like looking around like, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Although I will say that's better than Deion Sanders coming in yeah. and just straight up, you suck, get out. Yeah, some of you won't be here tomorrow. Like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in that quote, it makes it obviously sound like, well, this is the players' choices. Like, we're going to do what we have to do, and they're going to do what they have to do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's – the most consistent thing in college football is the turnover of a yeah. roster. It seems. Yeah, so. yeah, and I mean, if if Walters is running the program like just about every other coach um, who's come through Purdue, there will be you know some sort of player meetings um, throughout the next couple yeah. days, and that's after those meetings is when you're going to see those announcements of so and so is entering the portal and blah blah blah. So. Uh, right. One week to go in the transfer portal. Uh, should be a wild time. You're going to see a lot of names from Purdue come. Uh, you're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of them go. So uh, we'll try to catch up uh, with where we are on next week's episode. Uh, but we may have yeah. to wait a little bit just to see how things shake <laughs> out because I know there's like rules about you can be in the portal after that, but you have to have signed. And you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's 
a whole other set of like contingencies that they have to follow. So yet another thing I wouldn't want to do and have to take care of if I was a college football coach. So, Right. And I will say, like, all of we say that this is so inconsistent right now, it gets more consistent as the coaching staff remains. Like, by year three yeah. or four, it's so much clearer what yeah, they absolutely. want to do with a team. Yeah. So for all the nervous Nellies who listen, like, it gets better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, year one of a new coach, the coach is doing Ooh. everything they can to try to mold the roster to what they want to do. And it seems pretty clear that not only is the defense going to be different, um, Purdue is going to run a different offense as well. And you want the personnel that can run those schemes. So you're doing everything you can to kind of finagle it to see, do I have guys that can do this? And if not, which guys can maybe, you know, go find a better opportunity? And can I grab some guys uh, in the portal that will help me out and fill these roles? So it's absolutely what you expect to happen. There is nothing to worry about at all. Um, so we'll just see how things shake out in uh, the coming weeks. So there we go, folks. For Ryan and myself, thanks so much for listening. Boiler up. Hammer down. <laughs>